I'm going to say welcome to our series, Temples or Towers, and we are asking three questions. Are you ready? Who can remember the three questions? That's exciting. Great. Thank you, Lisa. One, what are you building? Two, why are you building it? Three, who are you building for? Number one, what are you building? Number two, why are you building it? Number three, who are you building it for? And I'm so glad you're here today. And whether you're in person, whether you're on the deck, or whether you're just tuning in, I count it an incredible privilege to bring the word to you and to cause you to ask those three questions. And my prayer is that after this series, we would get to know more about ourselves, we get to know more about our Savior, and we get to know more about our calling. I've got great news. Every single one of us is called to build something. You are called to be a builder. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're called to be a builder. And turn to the person on the other side and says, you don't look convinced yet. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste a moment. I don't want to just go through life existing. I want to live a life. I want to live a life with passion and purpose and joy. I want to know that God's called me to do something and I'm doing it and I'm right in the center of his will. And I want to live my life just kind of going through the motions day after day and wondering if I'm making a difference. I want to know that I'm actually making a difference. And at the end of this service, I'm going to pray and I'm going to give everyone an opportunity to come forward and we're going to pray that you might know that your eyes will be open, that you might know the hope to which you have been called and you might know that you're making a difference. But to get to that point, we're going to have to go through this. And to go through this, we're going to ask this question, are you making a difference? So here we go, quick recap. Last week we looked at 1 Kings chapter 6 and Genesis chapter 11 and we asked the question, what are you building? A temple or a tower? In 1 Kings 6, we said Solomon was building a temple and concerning this temple, it says in 6.12, concerning this temple which you are building, if you walk in my statutes, execute my judgments, keep all my commands and walk in them, then I will perform my word with you which I spoke to your father David. And I love this, verse 13, and I will dwell among the children of Israel and I will not forsake my people. I will dwell with them and I will not forsake them. But to Nimrod in Genesis, he has a whole different plan. To Nimrod in Genesis 11, 7, he says to them, come, let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth. Two very different pictures, two different outcomes. One was building a temple. God favored it. One was building a tower. God caused confusion and scattered them. And we asked the question, What are you building? We said one was building a temple, one was building a tower. We went a bit deeper. We said, why are you building it? And one of the reasons was we saw that Nimrod was building it. Why? So that he could could go to heaven. So he could ascend and build something that would reach to the heavens. And we said, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, no matter what effort you put in, no matter what you build, anything you build on your own strength trying to reach to the heavens is always going to be built in vain. For it is by grace that we have been saved, not works, lest any man can boast. Lastly, we asked, who were they building it for? And we saw Solomon was building a temple and it was for God's glory and for God's purpose and for God's people. And we saw Nimrod was building a tower for themselves, that we might make a name for ourselves, that we might not be scattered. One of them God actively resisted, one of them God actively blessed. What are you building? Why are you building it? Who are you building it for? 
The three questions, when asked and answered, I genuinely believe in my heart of hearts will change your world. They'll change the way you see the world. They'll change the way you see other people. They'll change you and the way you see yourself. Let me start with this. In 2014, I had, and I'm not sure if Big Pete's here today, but in 2014, I had the awesome privilege of going to Jerusalem with Peter. When we were there, we got to see some incredible, incredible sights. We got to swim or, you know, kind of float in the Dead Sea. That was pretty cool. We got to go to the Holocaust Museum, which was filled with stories of trials and tragedy, but also of triumph and overcoming, which was phenomenal. We stood on the Mount of Olives and we got to see the city of Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, just as Christ would have seen it 2,000 years ago. And we walked in the Garden of Gethsemane where he was ultimately arrested. We, we got to like, actually just experience so much. But some of the things that I really loved was I loved seeing some of the ancient buildings. Uh, coming from Australia, like where we have old and we go, well, we don't have old, do we? We go old is like 150 years. And, and if it's 150 years, we have a heritage listed. We have it looked after. We make sure it's painted a certain color. Can only do this with it. Can only do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. But over there, they've got these 2,000-year-old structures, and they're like common. One of the funniest things I remember seeing was standing in the old city of Jerusalem. And I'm there, and you see this, this uh, Jewish traditional Jewish man, he's dressed in his full garb with his black hat and his black suit and he's walking along and he's got an armful of cardboard boxes, okay, and he's, he's walking next to these ancient limestone walls that weave through the city on the cobblestone. I'm trying to paint the picture for you. He comes to this beautiful door, solid timber door, and, and you're like, wow, wonder what's behind the door. So you're standing there watching him as he approaches the door and you're standing there with bated breath like, man, what is inside that? This is so ancient. This must be amazing. And at that point, he opens the door and slings the cardboard boxes into what appears to be his version of a dumping ground or a bin. And I'm stood there like, no, don't you understand how valuable this is and how precious this is? But for them, that's just common. Anyway, I want to move on. A couple of the other structures. I thought it'd be funny if I showed you some of the things we saw. We went to Masada, which Masada, I'm going to show you the PowerPoint. The Masada is at the top. Is that coming up? Yeah, see the top? Like, that's a cable car system. So that's from the top looking down. And now I'll go to the next picture because this is really cool, right? You travel up in this gondola here. And I remember us traveling up and we stood in there. There's about 20 or 30 other people and you stood in there. And I remember looking at Peter. There was this moment in time where I realized health and safety there is very different to health and safety here. And I looked at Peter and I looked at the latching mechanism that kept the door closed and everyone's safe. And it was one of those, you know, like the, the latches that hold a door back. That was it. Just a... So I remember standing there showing Peter like that. And everyone's kind of looking. It's like just, it's a different kind of thing. But we went to Masada. I'll show you the top of Masada. This place was built by Herod some 2,000 years ago. And it looks like that now. It's um, just pretty much ruins, but it was a fantastic, colossal building that was built, as I showed you before, right on the top of this mountain. From there, you could see the Dead Sea, you could see for kilometers and kilometers out, and it was just this incredible, and they had to wind themselves up to get to the very top of it, and they built the whole structure, and while they built it out of the mountain that it was on, they built the cistern that was going to supply the whole thing, and it was built so if ever there was a problem, he and his family could run away and get to safety. Herod was an incredible builder. He spent, in fact, it's one of the things he is most known for over there, 
is his building and what he accomplished with his buildings. I'm going to show you the next picture. <clears throat> the next picture we saw, oh, sorry, I'll tell you this one. This is actually in the Masada. This is, I'm not sure if you can make it out, it's a sauna blows your mind it's a sauna those it's actually a raised platform and those are clay pots that it sits on top of they had a fire outside the water would run through get really hot and run under there and literally make a steam room a sauna can you just get your head around that two thousand years ago herod at the top of this obscure mountain in the middle of nowhere built a sauna we go to the next one this is how i think we don't care about history so much over there that you're looking at there is a mosaic it's on the floor it's 2,000 years old and you kind of just walk on it to get to the next room. And you stood on these tiles that are 2,000 years old and you think, man, that just could not happen anywhere else in the world except here. That was just one of his constructions. Let me show you another one. He also built Caesarea. Caesarea is, is that place and it goes out into the sea. Caesarea, for those who are interested, was the place where Paul appealed to Caesar. So he said, you know, no, I make, you know, I'm being arrested. I want to go and see Caesar. And that's where they said, fine, you're going to go and see Caesar from this point on. Caesarea, Herod built this massive port out into the sea so that ships could come in and, and harbour safely. It was like you stood there and you're looking at it, but now it's again reduced to not very much. The final picture I want to show you is an old wall of Jerusalem. That is the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. It is what's left, in case anyone didn't know. The Wailing Wall is like the retaining wall. So, you know, people argue and it's like, oh, no, that wasn't original because Jesus said, or oh, every stone will be knocked down. No, he said every stone of the temple will be knocked down. That wasn't part of the temple. It was like the retaining wall. And that's the only bit that was left after the Romans destroyed Jerusalem. That part was left, and so they still call that sacred, and then bits were rebuilt over the Benzine. You don't ask me what time. The other time periods, you know. But I want to get to this and say this. It's funny that, that Herod built these buildings, and today, 2,000 years later, they're reduced to rubble. 2,000 years later, these monumental, magnificent structures that would have cost thousands, millions in, in hourly labor and in time and in effort and in energy, today they're reduced to rubble. They're nothing except a tourist attraction at best, which makes me think about the question, what is it you're building today and will your building today last into tomorrow? What is it you're putting your time, your talent, your energy, your effort into right now? I mean, think about it. It's not just Herod. Mick and I worked in the building industry for years. How many builders did you know served and slaved and worked seven days a week and they had all the fancy cars and all the fancy toys and the big homes and then they find their wife leaves them and they sell half and give it away? How, how many people do you know see these corporations and companies, they build these magnificent corporations and companies only to see them implode on themselves and become nothing? Anyone been to Blockbuster Video lately? No one? Anyone gone and bought some Kodak stuff? Like, no? Anyone gone to Darryl Chocolates and bought some really... No. You know, some of the companies that we once thought, they're immovable. You know, anyone gone to the Holden or the Ford plant recently? Some of the things that we think, man, that's just going to be there forever. It takes that, a twinkling of an eye for the whole lot to just disappear and implode. So I want to ask you again the question this morning, what are you building? Is what you're building worth building? Is it going to last what are you putting your time, your effort into today? And can I ask you the next question? What will it be tomorrow? What are we building? A reputation? A career? Are we building it for us? Who are we building it for? I want to start with that this morning. I want to lay that foundation. 
Because I think so often we go through the motions and nobody ever actually questions and nobody stops to ask, what am I doing with my life? What am I building? Is it worth it? Am I building a temple or a tower? Can we, is that good? Can we ask that question? Can we go a little bit further? Because... Because today I feel like I'm talking predominantly to Christians. I recognize not everybody is a Christian. Not everybody believes this. But I want to say this. Even if you're not a believer in following Jesus, what I'm going to share next, I believe, will alter your life. Even if you're not necessarily fully sold out on following Christ as your Lord and your Savior, what I'm going to share next will empower you and enable you to build something significant, something that goes beyond the here and now. So what I'm going to share next I'm going to go a little further and, and we're going to look at what we're building. Are you ready for this? Because yes. as Christians, we've got to ask, if we're following Jesus, right, what, what was he building? What, what did Jesus build? Don't sing it out. It'll just spoil the whole thing. It'll be like, it'll be like a spoiler alert moment. Well, what was Jesus building? And if we say, you're my Lord, you're my Savior, what you're interested in, that's what I'm going to be interested in. What you're passionate about, that's what I'm going to be passionate about. What you're doing, I want to be doing. If we say that as Christians, then we need to ask the next question, what was he passionate about? What was his purpose? What was he building? Are you ready for the answer? If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, I'm going to paint a little bit of a backstory. It says, so coming towards Caesarea Philippi in Matthew 16, verse 13. We know it's Jesus talking because in my Bible, the words are in red, and so anytime it's in red, it's important. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he says, but who do you? Who do you say I am? See, this morning, it's not just to ask, well, who do, who do people think Jesus is? No, this morning, I'm asking you who you think he is. Because who you think he is determines whether you're interested in building what he was building, in doing what he was doing. If he's just a good teacher, then we don't need to follow that. If he's just a, a nice guy, we don't need to follow that. But he, if he is the Lord and the Savior, then we need to follow after that. And Peter says to him, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In 16.18, and I've added a little bit in as we read, because he said this, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, this truth, this revelation that you just gave, that I am the Christ, upon this truth, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will never prevail against it. What do you say? I will build my church. I will build my church. That's what Jesus came to build. I was going to title this a tale of two builders. On one side, you have Herod who built these mega magnificent structures. And on the other side, you had Jesus who was crucified. On one side, you had 2,000 years ago, this King Herod and everyone went, wow, look what he built. And on the other side, you had this guy called Jesus who hung around with sinners and tax collectors. But I want to tell you today that what Herod built is now laying in ruins. And at best, it's a tourist attraction. And what Jesus built is still standing strong. 
In fact, it's so strong. I've got a video to show you. You know, for, for when pastors don't know what to say, uh, when they're asked what they do and it's that little bit of awkward, I've got this great guy. I'm going to ask you to just show that video for me. I'm going to step off for two minutes. Are we ready? Here we go. People often say to me, they say, Jay John, you know, what, what do you do? And it's always, it's always very, very difficult, difficult to know, to know what, what to say. To say. Because, because if, if I, I say, say to you that I'm a reverend, reverend which, which I am, that conjures, conjures up certain, certain images, images in people's, in people's minds, minds as to what, what I might be. be. So, so I, I like, like to be a little, little bit creative in telling, in telling people what, what I, do. I do. I sat I next to this lady on an aeroplane at Heathrow Airport and I said, hello. And she said, well, hello. And I said, where are you going? And she says, I'm going to Singapore. Then she said to me, where are you you going? going? I said, I said I'm, I'm going, going to Australia. Australia. I said, I said what, what do you do? You do? So she so told she me. me. Then she, then said, she said, what, what do, you do you do? And I, and I said, said, well. <laughs> I work for a global enterprise. She said, do you? I said, yes, I do. I said, we've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. She said, have you? Yes, we have. I said, we've got hospitals and hospices and homeless shelters. I said, we do marriage work. We've got orphanages. We've got feeding programs, educational programs. I said, we do all sorts of justice and reconciliation things. I said, basically, we look after people from birth to death and we deal in the area of behavioural alteration. It was, it was so, so loud, her wow. wow. Loads of people turned around and looked at us. She, she says, what's, what's it called? <laughs> I said, it's, it's called, called the church. church. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you like that? I love that. I thought that was so good. Why don't we be excited about what we're being a part of building today? Instead of being like, oh, well, you know, I go to church. And How many people are sometimes a little embarrassed? You know, they're like, oh, you know, what are you doing on Sunday? Oh, I you know, just, I don't know, going out with a couple of friends. Somewhere. How many people have ever done that? How many people have been in that place where, where someone says that to them? You know, like, oh, oh do you, you know, what are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm just going to go and hang out with the men's ministry or something. <laughs> Anyone ever done that? No? Just, okay. And thank you. We have one honest person in here. God bless you, my child. May the Lord richly <laughs> But I want to say to you, you know, what Jesus built is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. What Jesus built 2,000 years ago, in fact, I was listening to Professor Rick Watts, and, and he said simply this, if you took the most atheistic, he was from Canada, he said, you took the most atheistic Canadian right now, just take him, pluck him out of there, transport him in a time machine back 2,000 years ago, drop him in the centre of Rome. Do you know what people will call him? A Christian. Why? Because Christianity has so pervaded the influence of the Western world and so pervaded the way he thinks, the way he sees things. Where do you think all the reconciliation comes from? It did not come out of the Roman Empire. It did not come out of the Babylonian or the Persian Empire. Those thoughts are peculiar to Christianity alone. Where do you think these concepts of thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not murder come from? They come straight from the gospel and from the Old and New Testament where it gets exampled and exampled. And when Jesus came, he wasn't here to build a building. He wasn't here to build a magnificent structure. You know what he was here to build? A church. Can we go a little bit further? Because people go, well, what's a church? A church is not a cathedral. A church is not a stadium that seats thousands of people. Do you know what a church is? Are you ready? I know some of you, many of you probably know this, but a church is the people. The church 
is the people that are called out and gathered together, assembled together in his name with his purpose and his plan and his power in and over our lives. That is the church. And Jesus didn't come to build a stadium. He didn't come to build a cathedral. He came to build the church. In fact, can I go a little bit further? His blood wasn't shed for buildings. His blood was shed for people. He didn't come to build buildings and things. He came to build people, individual people that then join together and together we become the church. When Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, he says, don't you know, in, six, in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, he says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. What was the price? The blood of Jesus. Jesus paid the price so that you could belong to him. He said, you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You are the temple. Jesus didn't build towers, he built temples. And you are the temple. This is so cool. First Peter 2.4 says, coming to him as to living stones, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built. Everyone say built. Boy, that was like Three of you said it. Let's try that one more time. Let's all be attentive and going together. You ready? Everyone say built. built. That's better. Like you are being built. You are being built as a spiritual home to offer up spiritual sacrifices. You're a holy priesthood acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Rejected by men, chosen by God. I'm going to say that again because I think that was just so personal for me. Rejected by men chosen by God, rejected by men. Men so often looked at what was being built and went, that boy will amount to very little, but accepted by God. Can I say the same thing to you? You can be rejected by men, but you're accepted by God. Why? Because Jesus didn't come to build cathedrals and stadiums. He came to build you. He came to put value on you. He came and where religious people said, they're no good, the Sidonians are no good, the Samaritans are no good, the Gentiles are no good. You know, where, where the religious folks said, they're no good, Jesus came and said, oh, well, I'll have them, oh, and I'll have them, and I'll have them. They all can become a part of something new that I'm building. And while Herod's building these magnificent structures, he's building fishermen, tax collectors, those people who have been rejected by the religious and by the world, he's building them. He's gathering them together and he's saying, you know what, you might be rejected by everybody else, but I'm going to accept you. And this is where it gets really, really cool because this is only part of the message. Because not only are you being built, not only was Jesus a master builder, and we can all agree that he was a master builder, right? Yes? So not only was he a master builder, not only are you part of the building that he's put together, but can I ask you that to just push your head thoughts a little bit further? Because he didn't just ask you to be a part of the building, he actually asked you to become a builder. And this is where it's get really cool. Because it's like how, what, what, you know, like, and, it, and this is, I spent so much time yesterday trying to figure out a concise way to explain how you can both be a building and a builder, and I couldn't figure it out. So I'm just going to give it out to you and say, Holy Ghost has got to talk to you about it. Because you are both a part of what Jesus has built and he invested his blood and his life into and you are now called to be builders. You're called to be builders. And how do I know that? And, and with a little bit of building experience I have, here's what I know. Who's ever, who's ever had a house built? 
cool, lots of people, and we go, that's the builder of the house, yes? But how many people know the builder of the house doesn't do the building? The builder of the house has people come and do the carpentry, doesn't he? And the builder of the house has come and people do the electrical work. And the builder of the house has people come and put the roof on. The builder of the house has people come and do the tiling. So, so I'm trying to get this across because even though Jesus is a builder, you are, both, you are also called to build. And then the next question, you're called to build. What are you called to build? I mean, it's like a big circular thing, isn't it? So great. We're called to be a building and we're called to build. Great. Now the next question is, what are you called to build. And if you can't answer that, then we're already missing the point because we're not called to build corporations and companies. Even if you're building a great corporation and company, that's fantastic. But if you think that's what you're called to build, you've missed the mark as a Christian. Do you know what you're called to build? People. You're called to build people. You're called to come and gather people. You're called to encourage people. Programs don't matter. Facilities don't matter. People matter. Programs are brilliant. I love the fact we have a youth program. And we have a fantastic, a phenomenal youth program. But you know our youth leaders aren't there to build a program? They're there to build the people. We have a great young adults in different connect groups meeting all over the place, but our connect groups aren't there so we can all go, oh, we have four, we have five, we have a hundred, we have a thousand. It doesn't make any difference if we think we're just building connect groups. No, we're not. We're building people. You know, Dave came. I've just got to do a quick shout out to Dave and Patrick today because they came and they went through and they put all the lights out on the deck outside. You know, they, they went and put all these lights up and they put them all there. And we can go, yeah, well, that's not people... Do you know what I loved? I asked him why you're doing it. He said, Phil, I just believe that when we're doing this, it's as unto the Lord. And when we're doing this, it's to bless people. Was he doing it so we could pat his back on a Sunday morning? No, he was doing it because he loves people. Why does the worship team come every Wednesday, every Sunday? Because they love people. Why does a service team stand out there and put communion out, wipe down the tables, put all the tables and chairs together? Because they love people. And when we forget that that's what we are called to be building, then there's no purpose being here anymore. We are not called to build fantastic facilities. We are called to build people. And I'm going to look because I just looked at my beautiful friend, Frida. And, and I'm going to say this as nice as I can. Frida's old. But you know what I love? No, no, before I get a smack, because she's fast. <laughs> she may be old, but she can get up here and give me a crack. But you know what I love? Even though she's old, you know what she's not forgotten? She, even though she's retired, she's not forgotten that she is building people. Do you know how many times she encourages me with my kids or encourages my kids? Barry was sitting in the office with me through the week and he said, you know, a little bit, a little bit of time ago, I was sitting there and I realized that there was a disconnect between the older and the younger. There was a disconnect between me. He wasn't blaming everyone else. He was personalizing it. There was a disconnect between me. So he decided to see that and become the solution for it. He decided that he would actively get out and start building people because people matter. We're not called to build structures because in 2,000 years, those structures are gone. They're rubble at best. But if you build people who build people, who build people, who build people, 
then you are building something that continues to grow and thrive because it is something that's alive and full of life. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And where you go, the presence of God goes. And not only that, you're the temple and then you're the builder. And I was talking to somebody after last Sunday and I won't say it was Don, but Don said to me after last Sunday, and he said, great, you know what I got out of last Sunday? He said, you convinced me I should resign. I said, just stay tuned a little longer, Don, just, just one more week. Because it's not about what you do if you get your value and your validate, I don't care if you're sweeping floors in a factory. You're not there sweeping floors in a factory. You are there to build people. You are there to make a difference. I don't care if you're serving hamburgers in McDonald's. You're not serving hamburgers. They're just the people that are footing the bill while you become a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't care if you're answering the phones in Telstra. You're not actually working for Telstra. You're working for Jesus and they just happen to foot the bill. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe Christians should be great workers. We should be faithful and diligent in what we're doing. But if you think you're building something for this world and for this season, you've missed the mark. You're building people who build people who build people. You are building something far beyond yourself. And that's my prayer today, that we would see that and take that on board and realise that's why Jesus came. That's why He's calling us. That's what He is calling us to do. It doesn't matter where you are say to each and every person, you are a builder in line with Jesus. You are building what Jesus was called to build. You are building people. You are not tower builders. You are temples of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to finish with this. As we come around communion this morning, I want you to take these emblems. Maybe for you, you've forgotten what it is that you are called to be doing. Maybe you've been discouraged. (laughs) Maybe you've been disappointed. Maybe you've been disheartened. You've tried. You've tried to share. You've tried to love. You've tried to build a relationship. You've tried to build somebody or someone being rejected by it. Can I just say as you're holding these emblems, if that's the case for you, you're in really good company. Jesus was rejected. He just didn't stop. And when you take these emblems today, you're not only remembering the fact of what Jesus has done for you, but I'm actually encouraging you to go one step further and recognize the fact that you're called to be builders. When you take this today, you're partnering with Jesus. You're saying, Lord, you live in me and I live in you. And what you're about, I am about. And you were never about building towers. And you're always about building temples. To his disciples just before he was taken away, he said to them, go therefore into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's what we are called to be building. Not towers, temples. Would you take this morning, would you close your eyes? Let's just take a minute. Father, I want to thank you for your faithfulness. I want to thank you for your word, for your spirit and for your scriptures that bring life today. Father, I pray that you would just challenge our hearts, whether we're here or at home.
Holy Spirit cause us to ask those three important questions. And as we take these emblems today, Father, I remember that you are building me. It's by your grace that I'm being built. It's not in my own strength, but I'm depending on your strength and your ability. And today, I just want to partner with Christ. I want to commune with Him. Let's eat together. those who perhaps haven't made that full decision to follow Christ and they haven't maybe bought into Jesus is Lord and Saviour in my life can I just encourage you to stop trying to build buildings start trying to build people realise that you're here to make a difference in the people's lives when we build things for ourselves it will always end up failing always lose the favour of God on us when we make people a priority God's favour and God's blessings on it, be encouraged and as you do that I just believe that God will start to talk to you He'll begin to reveal Christ to you more and more you'll come to that point where you realise that what you're actually building has always been and is always for Him you come to that point where you go God I've been trying to do this in my own strength. I'm going to start trusting you. Even now, I believe that there's people here that have been building all week, struggling and striving all week, trying to do stuff in their own strength. But just this morning, God wants to say, no, 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 trust me. I'm building you. And I'm causing you to be a better Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really hope you guys enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we hope you have an amazing week. See you next week.